0: Hey, hello, friends, and welcome to this message, which is specially handpicked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at LincolnSeranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities, and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. 2020 we are turning our eyes back to him. We are putting Jesus at the center of it all. And um, three areas of focus, likeness, leadership, and life mission. You saw that in our announcements, we are now featuring a leadership moment. And today we were learning from the, one of the most successful um, CEOs in our generation who's uh, deceased now, but um, Steve Jobs. Uh, explained that at Apple computers, they have no committees. Committees can waste a lot of time, uh, but teams can do great works. Teams are led by passionately driven people who lead passionately committed people to achieve great results. And so it's not enough to run meetings. It's important that people run meetings for purpose. And as we saw, uh, great leadership happens when after the meeting no one has to chase after you to remind you of the very tasks you accepted to do. So we are creating a leadership revolution at Liberty. We need to grow in our leadership. We cannot be chased around all week by somebody to remind us of our own duties when we accepted that we are going to do them. So we want to build an organization that is strong on leadership here at Liberty Christian Fellowship. We agree on what we're going to do, we get it done. So this, this year we are pushing on leadership, likeness, leadership, and life mission. And later today, after I preach, and I'm going to try and behave and preach shorter, because I wanted to expose you to some music here at LCF. So we have a guest minister who's going to minister to us in music. And these are men on mission. And I'll introduce him briefly before he sings as we receive our offering. Perhaps he will do two songs for us to enjoy. Are you ready? Did you bring your dancing shoes by any chance? Yeah, we have to do some dancing. This guy knows how to dance. Okay. Um, I want to speak on Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Say that name. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. not just the J-E-S-U-S, because there are many people in South America called Jesus. The name Jesus is named freely in South America. So the magic is not, the power is not in J-E-S-U-S. It's behind the man, his mindset, his lifestyle, his value system, his action. Amen? And this year we are daring to turn to him. And today I want to labor, uh, in a few minutes, God help me, On defining him some more. We need to redefine him. And embrace him. And pursue him. So there is something that we can call the process of the making of Jesus. Allow me to put it that way. Jesus is not just the Christmas baby. The fact that a star leads the wise men. And that uh, angels sing. And that uh, a virgin bears him. And the prophecies are fulfilled. That is not enough to define him. Because the reason we gather here today was not just because Jesus was born. He was born. Remember, we agreed that he was born. But then he grew up. Presented in the temple. Age seven. As every child would be. Circumcised. And then brought back age 12. Age 13. Presented before the Lord. And we know that past that moment, the Bible says he returned with his parents and made himself subject to them. Jesus is not an automatic result. There is a process in the making of him. As our Messiah, as our Lord. He had to learn obedience. He had to align to the will of the Father. So if after a wonderful birth, he had become a drug addict, if he had rebelled against the will of the Father, he would never have been the savior of the world. And that Christmas story would have fizzled away. The Christmas story had to be vindicated by a, lifetime, a lifestyle. And that's what I'm speaking about today. So he returned and made himself subject to his parents. And we also learned that he grew in favor, as the Bible says, with God and with man. Until he shows up at the river Jordan. And he again makes himself subject to the ministry of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist tries to correct him. He says, You are greater than I. You can't dis- baptize me. I need to be baptized by you. But he said, We must fulfill all righteousness. The point I'm making identity is not enough, it must be aligned with conduct, mindset, and behavior. And one of the dangers of our time. It's the grace message in which we, are, we sometimes elevate the love and grace of God above our need to make alignment in how we think, how we speak, and how we live our lives, so that the purpose of God may be prospered in our lives. Can I get a so far? Did you navigate the introduction, yeah? <laughs> amen. So there is such a thing in my mind as the process, the making, the shaping of Christ. Not that he needed shaping, he just manifested his truth, but we that are made in his image, that are made to be made in his image and likeness, need to understand the process. So I'm taking you to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11, verse 1 to 11. Do excuse us, the um, projection on, the, on my right suddenly went after the worship. I think the, it reached its uh, sell by date or throw by date, so it's gone out. So you have to turn your neck hard to see this other screen. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. So Jesus comes out of obscurity. He steps out and is baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist. What happened when he was baptized? The Bible says heaven opened and a voice spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Do you remember that? It's not where we're starting to read. I'm starting a little earlier. But you know the story. This is my beloved son with whom I am pleased. Heaven opens and the Bible says the spirit came upon him as a dove. As a dove. And so Jesus, full of the spirit and under the affirmation of the father, then comes to chapter 4 verse 1. And the Bible says Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command these stones to become bread but he answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god then the devil took him up to the holy city set him up on the pinnacle of the temple And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And said to him, all things, all these things I will give you. If you will fall down and worship me. then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall not, rather you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone you shall serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And we know that from that moment, Jesus returns from the wilderness and the Bible says in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now his ministry begins. The product is ready. Do you know that for every product that is made, finally there is a testing process? In assemblies of cars and gadgets, the microphone I'm holding, everything here that is potentially a gadget, that is practically a gadget, everything after manufacturing must be tested for purpose before marketing. So the making of Jesus culminates... At this point yeah coming us to this point where the bible says the spirit literally drove him the bible shows us he was driven into the wilderness it was a compulsion that god is saying now let's do this the purpose of god is there prophecies have been made people have made sacrifices children have died they died and under herod prophecies have been made this is the moment that everyone has been waiting for in history but it is not ready until this man the hope of the nation is driven into the wilderness a bare plain empty place that the product may be put to the test so i'm preaching under the subject the big three if you're making notes these are the big three And I feel that they are the big three areas that we need to keep our focus on. In the battle of our Christian walk, every day, every year, these are the big three. These are the big three areas where we must constantly rise above and renew ourselves. Now, I must say straight away, before Jesus is tempted and tested, heaven opens and God speaks his pleasure over him. This is my son. I am pleased with him. God is the only examiner who gives you the certificate before the exam. I'll say it again. <laughs> God is the only examiner who graduates you before he trains you. So he declares his pleasure over Jesus before he's tempted in one area. And you see the baptism of Jesus represents for us the born again experience, the second birth because the Bible says, believe and be baptized and you will be saved. Believe and be baptized and you will be saved. So in his journey, for us, figuratively, the baptism represents the pleasure, I mean the, the point of our conversion. And at the point of your conversion, how many of you are born again in the room and you're not ashamed? I got born again in 1981, the month of March. Some of you are still vegetables and, and carrots and you're you are not human beings yet still scattered in the earth as elements but 1981 i gave my life to christ that's the day god declares his pleasure this is my beloved son and i'm pleased with him the highest pleasure of god is the second birth please understand what pleases god most about you is the fact that you chose jesus i wish i could explain this everything else is subsequent Because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So God is not pleased initially by behavior. Some people who are well behaved are going to hell because they've never found faith in Christ. The highest pleasure of the Father is my conversion. And the Bible says angels rejoice in heaven over this matter. They may not rejoice when you pray an hour. They may not rejoice when you give away your car. But they will rejoice when you say, I open my heart and I surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The greatest pleasure of the Father is salvation. And if you are in this room and you've never opened your heart to Jesus, I challenge you today to give your life to him. Jesus is celebrated before he's tempted. Now tell your neighbor, for me, help me to preach your neighbor. Tell them before you are tempted, God celebrates you. Eh? God, God is crazy, slightly crazy. <laughs> he gives you the certificate. And I, well, I have better news, even deeper news for you. It is first class degree. As far as God is concerned, everyone who is in this place is a first class student. ay ay. As far as God is concerned, we are the best. We are the creme de la creme. We are the best Tell your neighbor, you are the best in the earth. eh? You are chosen. You are elect. You are preferred. Eh, Your name is written in the book of life. There is something about opening your heart and saying, Jesus, come in here. It is not for ordinary people. It is for special people to come to that decision. If you made that decision, great things are written about you. And there's a greatness that sits in you that God celebrates you before you do anything. I would give Jesus a round of applause if I was you. Yes, 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 yes. He celebrates him before he is tested. God's honor. We overcome because we have overcome. We win because we are winners. It's not the other way around. We change because we have changed. We do well because he has declared us people who do well. Jesus is celebrated before he's tempted. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. But some of us have been lied to. That you are equal to your temptations. That you are equal to your weakest moment. That you are equal to your lukewarmness. God hangs a certificate in heaven and says, that one is blood washed, that one is a conqueror, that one's the a devil chaser. You are here being buffeted by the devil, but God insists... That you are an overcomer. And you need to get up and become who he declares you to be. So Jesus is declared the winner before he enters. Then he faces three tests. And I want to run through them quickly. The first, there are three areas. Let me summarize them quickly. Number one, he is tested on appetite. It's the first A. You will be tested on appetite. Appetite refers to desires of the body desires of the body, cravings of the body, food being chief of them. Food is the great leveler of the nations, rich or poor, (laughs) whatever age. Once food is put in question, people get into panic. (laughs) We're talking about the basic needs, the very basic definition of humanity starts with appetites, chief being food. And so, he is tested on appetite. Number two, he is tested on affirmation. Affirmation. And I'll explain that. And thirdly, he is tested on ambition. Appetite, affirmation, ambition. Let's start with appetite. The passions of the body. The things we enjoy in our body. Food being chief of them. Jesus is fasting. There's no food in the desert. And so he becomes hungry. And immediately, Satan walks in because this is the first area of our test in our pursuit to serve God, to live for him, to become overcomers. The first hurdle is the hurdle of appetite. And it represents not just food. It represents all the pleasures of the, of the body. Sleep is the other one. Have you noticed how sweet sleep is? My goodness, sweet, sweet sleep. Sleep can be sweet. The sheets, the blanket, the warmth, the cuddle. Oh, my God. Some people say my hobby is sleep. I've had a few people call, admit to me, Pastor, my chief hobby is my bed. <laughs> when the sweetness of the bed penetrates the very bones, and you feel like I don't want to wake up forever. If somebody could pay me to sleep, I would do a great job, you know. A sort of <laughs> sleep, entertainment. Hmm? The other pleasures, sexual pleasure food, sleep. Any other appetites anyone knows about? Hmm? What's that? Shopping. Oh my goodness. It was the ladies who accepted, who admitted. Pleasures of this world. And it's funny how people become depressed because of the pleasures of this world. And people... Fight God and spit in God's face because my appetites are not being met. It's the first one. That is nursery. The appetites of the body are the nursery temptation. That's the first one. We are not ready to be manifested to the earth in all our glory until we've resolved appetites and put them where they belong. Jesus answers Satan, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's so much insight in there. Insight number one is provision is equal to listening to God. Hmm? The counteraction is the voice of God. Man's appetite, greatest appetite, should be to hear the voice of Almighty God. Our greatest hunger. And it must be wired into us. The point are like, have you ever craved for food until you come? Me, when I'm hungry, I shake. I don't know what you do. I I come to a place where I'm just shaking. And I don't mind whether it's junk food, whether it's healthy or sugar-full. I just need food. Man shall not live by bread alone. Meaning... There is another way. There is something else that is parallel comparable to food. And that's hearing the voice of God. That's what Jesus says. Man can live by God's voice alone. It can sustain you and run your life. Ask your neighbor, do you hear from God? Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. May God make us hearers us because the voice of God silences human appetites. The voice of God tames human appetites. The voice of God curtails and brings into order these appetites that crave in our bodies, driving us outside of God's purpose. The process cannot continue until the appetites are addressed. It's one of the big three. Can I get an amen from God's people? Man shall not live. By bread alone. And I don't know who's facing an appetite challenge right here. What I've found is until you graduate from the appetite school, you cannot engage the higher issues of life. You cannot really move into the greater issues that we have to face. Amen. Number two, affirmation. So the devil takes him from ground level. To the highest place of the pinnacle of the temple. And I like the symbolism of this, because Jesus, it's almost like that the temptations here show you, okay, let's move away from what looks very carnal and very physical. Let's become a little spiritual. So He takes him to the temple, takes him to the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point of the temple. This temptation is very spiritual. and it becomes biblical. He said it is written. He will give his angels charge over you. It becomes spiritual. And the greatest temptations are become enshrined here at church, where Satan uses the church and the structures of the church and the dynamics of the church and the issues of the church. And then he puts you in a temptation. He says, Do this. He says to him, Jump. Hmm? God will send you angels. He's using promises, he's using scripture. And I tell you, friends, when we graduate from sensual temptations, we come into spiritual temptations concerning the very word of God. And most believers are stuck on temptation too because they are putting the Lord to the test. Jesus said, you shall not test the Lord your God. Because what Satan is saying, make God run after you. Make him run after you. Do stupid things and he will come catch you. You know, they will bear you so that you do not bruise your foot against a stone. Make, make sure God delivers you from pain. Let, you, you, you need to sort this out once and for all. Is God going to catch you? Is God going to deliver you? Is God going to make sure you do not get hurt? This pain temptation is the, one of the biggest in the world. Pain. Everybody say pain. pain. The pain temptation, the deliverance question will God bail me out of trouble? I cannot move forward until I get a guarantee. I need affirmation. That in any problem, God will bail me out. Before before I get into trouble, he'll come catch me. Are you there? (laughs) This is a big Pentecostal temptation. And most of us came to the Lord to be delivered from our problems. And he becomes Jehovah, our deliverer. And we have a problem worshipping him unless he pays my bills. And he heals my diseases. And, and makes sure no one breaks my heart. and No one betrays me. No one backstabs me. No one lets me down. My businesses don't fail. I cannot be hurt. Are you there? <laughs> Angels must look after me. Make sure I do not stumble. After all I'm a child of God and the scriptures say it is written Lord didn't you say in your word. We take the very promises that are meant to become our deliverance we put them around our neck and we jump. And we put everything to the test. Bible says you shall not test Jesus says you shall not test the Lord your God. God is not some kind of experiment experiment. It's not some kind of situation. It's not, some kind of, it's not some kind of arrangement in which in spite of the errors and the difficulties of the earth, I must be preserved from all pain. I told you, I don't know whether it was you, I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody about a girl I, I talked to in, um, in Rwanda. She came to see me after I spoke to the singles. And she came to me quite irate, quite tense. She told me, Pastor, I'm not going to get married. I said, why? He said i don't want to get hurt <laughs> huh i don't want to get hurt. it's back it's back i hope it stays how many of you want to get hurt Anybody here want to get hurt? We all don't want to get hurt. But how many no pain is here to stay? Take your head with me. It hurts to be alive. It hurts. And if you want an insurance policy, again, Can I say that again? Help me preach to your neighbor. Tell them if you want to be pain free, just die. You just got to die. People will hurt you, life will hurt you. Pain is real, it's here to stay. And we need to understand as Pentecostals, pain does not mean God has abandoned you. Pain that doesn't mean, does not mean pray harder, fast longer, because that should never happen again. It's going to happen again, probably. Somebody's going to tell you they love you, and then they're going to change their mind. I'm going to put a ring on your finger and then ask for it back after a year. I'm not saying every decision to get into relationships is God-led. So I'm not saying go around making stupid promises because pain is here. But guys, let's wake up and smell the coffee. It hurts to be a baby, it hurts to be a child, it hurts to be a teenager, it hurts to be a young adult, it hurts to be an adult, Hurts. every stage of life has its pain. It hurts to dream, it hurts to fall in love, it hurts to give birth to children, it hurts to plant a church, it hurts to enter a department in the church. Everything hurts in some way. It hurts to pray. It hurts to fast. It hurts to exercise. Everything hurts in some way. If you want an insurance against pain, you will die poor. You will die miserable because there is sweet pain. Sweet pain. The pain of faith, the pain of hope, the pain of adventure. And there are things God is going to step back from and watch you go forward. with No insurance and no guarantee. And this is the battle between Job, arguably the book of Job is written before any other book. Satan comes to God and says, this man's worship is zero in quality. Because it comes out of a bubble. You have put a fence around him. Nothing goes wrong with him. There are no problems in his life. His worship is lightweight. If he goes through one problem, he will cast you to your face. And the devil puts his money down. (laughs) He says, Job is no worshiper. And God says, all right, let's do this. (laughs) Huh? You remember. Some say it never happened. The story of Job is just an allegory, a story. Others say it's real. We don't know for sure. But all hell breaks loose around Job, Job. And at the pit of it all, when all his stuff is gone, his children are dead, and then his body breaks out in boil, he lifts up his hands and worships Jehovah God. That's the first book of the Bible. He worships God. Amen. So every New Year's Eve we chant and we sloganize, we confess. Let me tell you, friends, we are not trying to inoculate ourselves against pain. I want somebody to suffer for me. I want somebody to pay a price for me. There's no value in life without adventure and risk and daring. Hmm? Come on, is anybody hearing me? You've got to learn how to break out of the safe enclosures of life. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that because I'll be hurt. I may be misunderstood. So I told this girl in Rwanda, Are you a fool? I can't I can, these boys, they're heartbreakers. <laughs> if He's sent from God for you, that's a good heartbreak. Because our children break our hearts, and our friends do. And our church members do. We are in the pain. <laughs> Jesus died. So, I shall not tempt the Lord my God by asking him to give me an insurance against pain. I will dare. I will dream. I will get up again. I will declare war. I will set goals. I will fall in love. I will give birth to children. And I will dream. I will start companies I'll invest money. (laughs) Come on. If I perish, I perish. This is what Esther said. He said, you guys first, I'm going to the king. If I die, I die. The world is shaped by people who see something bigger in life than pain. You cannot sit there waiting for somebody to deliver you from your own life. We must determine 2020, I'm going to get up and pray. I'm going to get up and dream. I'm going to start again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to serve again. I'm going to love again. I'm going to venture again. I'm going to do something. Because life, life is bigger than avoidance of pain. Some things are more important than safety. Can somebody give Jesus a wave? Are you ready for war? Are you ready for war? Even God is a man of war. The, w- the greatest dare was to create you. But God decided he rather fights with sin and death and destruction than miss out on knowing you. So he creates us and gives us free will. And Look what we've done to him. <laughs> and He will not stop. He says, they are gone crazy, I'm sending a savior. (laughs) And you make stupid mistakes, he says, I'm going to wait for you. Get up, get up. This hurts, but we've got to do it. It's a second temptation, friends. Many believers are stuck at temptation too. Still waiting for a pain-free world. Some of us fled Africa. And came to Britain thinking there would be inoculation. We have British problems now. British problems. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Shake your neighbor for me. Tell them, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Get on with your life. Get on with your life. Get on with your life. Shake off the pain. Shake off the pain. Heal yourself. Cry a little. Uh, You can even have a month out. After you've done your month out, get up! Comb your hair. Wash your face. And declare war again. We are here to stay and we are not going out. Satan, we are sending you an email right now. Hmm? We shall not tempt the Lord our God. We shall not turn Liberty Christian Fellowship into some stupid insurance company which promises people that if they come here, they will never suffer. We go through trials for him. He is worth it. He died for us. We shall lay our lives down for him as well. I need to finish soon. I have five minutes. Number three, when Satan sees pain-free issues, when a believer becomes averse to risk, uh, when uh, when you rise above this adversity to risk, Satan says, "Okay, now I'm taking you even higher." The Bible says he took him to the highest mountain. How does the devil take Jesus to the highest mountain? And the Bible says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is panoramic view. <laughs> hmm? Because he realized that this man cannot be attacked at ground level. He cannot be attacked at church level. Let me take him at panoramic view. Mountain top. Show him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. The ultimate temptation is ambition. And he tells him, look. Show him all the kingdoms and the glory. Go to the next verse. And he says, I'll give you all this stuff. This is now the real thing. The others were nursery and primary. Now we are dealing with career. He says to him, if you worship me, I give you all this stuff. <laughs> and sometimes we think the devil is trying to make us poor. Uh-uh, he can even make you rich. Poverty is not his goal. Worship is his goal. Worship is his actual goal. So the money issues are about stopping you worshipping. The sickness issues are about stopping you worshipping. The relationship issues. He says, if I can quench the worship, either kill it, divert it, dilute it, or distort it. Whatever I do, I need to do something about it. Dilute it, divert it, destruct it. Make sure they do not worship. What why did Satan come and and spit into God's face? What was he looking for? Money? No, he said, I want the glory. I want the worship. Let me tell you, the highest currency in the created and uncreated realm is worship. Worship is the currency of the spirit realm. Worship is the currency of the spirit realm. They don't need yen or dollar up there. Worship is the issue. And it's concerning this, he says, I will make you rich. I will give you the kingdoms and the glories of the earth. Let us swap. Give you everything that has been handed to me. You give me the worship. Now ask your neighbor, are you a worshiper? Hmm? Are you a worshiper? (laughs) There There is a call out. Satan says, get their worship at any cost. Get their worship at any cost. Stop them worshiping. And you need to understand, worship is so precious that Satan risked everything to get it. And now he's showing his real hand. All along, he was going for the worship. Right. Believers, your worship is the most contested things in earth, yeah. in history. Your worship, and let me tell you what, your worship is completely unique. No one can worship like you. You cannot hire a worshipper. a Hireaworshipper.com. Even if you started, it does not work. Worship is personal. Worship has a fingerprint on it. Worship has an identity. There is a voice only I can create. There is a sound only I can create. And when you do not worship, a vacuum manifests in the heavenlies. Both demons and God look at that vacuum. When you do not worship, no one can worship for you. No one can. There is a part of God's heart only you can touch. And you see, when you move it to congregational level, LCF, we have a sound print in the heavens. We have a sound print. And when heaven is doing roll call, they are waiting for the worship of Liberty Christian Fellowship. Did Liberty worship today? Or do they just clap and shout and create noise? Mm -hmm. No one can worship on our behalf. We cannot delegate it to the world church. We cannot delegate it to Life Christian Center down the road. God says, where is Liberty? And where is their sound? And that's why Satan will rise and attack our worship teams Confuse people. And I want to thank God for a dedicated worship team. A dedicated worship team at this church. Yeah. need to celebrate in a special way this young woman, Evie. Because keeping the worship team of a life of a church together. I worship pastors here. Keeping the guitarists. And the drummers. And the singers. Not singing and just making noise. Worshiping. Is the ultimate battle of every congregation. The big three, my friends. Number one, appetite. Number two, affirmation. Number three, ambition. Close your eyes where you are. Because Jesus comes out of the wilderness because he answers those questions and deals with them. And he asked me to preach this message, both north and south, that we are not ready to manifest Jesus unless we confront these areas and make them frontiers that we fight every day. Because Satan will lobby you and attack you on these three areas consistently because he does not want you to come out of the wilderness. He wants you to go around in the wilderness and never be manifested to your community because you are fighting With pain, people, "Ah, someone so started a rumor against me. I will never be the same. (laughs) I'm leaving the church. You leave the church? Was that the point? You're looking for a pain-free church, a pain-free marriage, pain-free parenting, pain-free, I am going to unfriend them. I'm going to delete my account and start another one. (laughs) Jesus, help us. Can you talk to God a moment? Father, we say yes. We say yes to your calling. We want to serve you. We want to honor you. Today we ask for your help. That we may serve you in a way that honors you. And glorifies you. Deliver us from the lies of the wilderness. Make us overcomers. We want to serve you and glorify your name. You receive the word of the Lord. Him a round of applause, his wording.